Good morning. It's a good day because he is risen. He is risen indeed. I uh, just, uh, just before coming down here, I got a message from Graham. Uh, my name's Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Graham is actually another one of our pastors and he is in the center of Northern Territory at the moment. He has been invited by a, um, a Aboriginal community there to come and uh, share um, God's message with them uh, this Easter, Easter break there. And he says this, he says, Good morning, church. Jesus is very much alive. We've arrived at our final day here in Ep- Epinara. There we go. Um, people have come from all communities and regions, from Tennant Creek, from the north, um, from Lake Nash, from the east, from Alice Springs in the west. Over 200 children came to the children's program and about 400 uh, adults joined us last night. They're there again this morning and he said it was such a, a joy to have such a large group of people come and circle and kneel at the cross in surrender to Jesus as King. Lots of joy, sin forgiven. We focus on victorious living because Jesus is alive today. Please thank the, vo- the folk for their prayers or value their prayers um, for the discipleship of these new Jesus followers. Have a great Resurrection Sunday. Blessings, Graham and Andrea. Isn't it wonderful to hear what God is doing there? And uh, I'm really praying that, uh, that there would be a movement of God in the center of our nation. Um, that, would, that would just be wonderful. And it would be um, like our God to do something like that, to have something that starts in a place like that and then spreads to the rest of our, our nation. I was, I was reflecting on that this morning. Uh, our kids, we got up early and we took our kids out and they did a bit of a, an Easter, we hid all the eggs around the front yard of our yard. And uh, in the morning, we got them up. And we, we don't have a huge amount of luck with um, reading a Bible story with our kids, first of all. Um, we've had in the past Levi kind of yawning. Um, but, but they were all engaged this morning, which was really great. And uh, we, we managed to get through, uh, we, we read through John 20, which we're going to be reading through this morning as well. And uh, one of the things that I, just really hit me there was just how kind of mediocre that day was. Just how unin, unimpressive, uneventful. It was, it was very eventful. Uh, Jesus rose from the dead. But there just wasn't a, a lot of hoo-ha, fanfare. Uh, it was all quite quiet. And it seems to be the way that God works is God starts something very, uh, very almost hidden and what happens, it's like a mustard seed that spreads out and becomes this, this, uh, this large, impressive plant. It's very much like God. I saw that in, um, you think of when Jesus was born, very unimpressive in a sense, very humble. Not many people knew about what was happening, and yet it had an extraordinary effect throughout history. We see that again with the resurrection Again, and, uh, and I wonder whether God might want to do something like that in our nation, start something in, a, uh, in the place that we would least suspect. We're looking at the story of the resurrection this morning, and we're going to be in John chapter 20. So if you've got your Bibles there with you or your phones, um, open up to, to John 
chapter 20, and we're going to be reading from there. The events that are recorded in John chapter 20, they sent shockwaves through the world. Few people knew about that event on that very first day. Uh, handfuls of people knew about what took place. But today, there are, some, there are over 2 billion people that acknowledge Christ as Lord and King, that, uh, that believe that He rose again from the grave. Uh, 2 billion people, that's a, that's a, that's a lot of people. Uh, I think that's, that's the population of Australia and New Zealand, that hardly makes up anything. Um, Australia, New Zealand, Europe, North America, South America, that's getting close to 2 billion people. Huge amounts of people from this, from this one event that spread throughout the world. So we have, uh, over this week, we've been, we've been reflecting on what happened at Easter. And last Friday, just a couple of days ago, we, we looked at Jesus um, dying on the cross for us. And if you remember, he had a, a crown on his head that said, the King of the Jews, in, uh, in a number of different languages. And after he had died on the cross there, the, uh, the Ro- Roman executed, um, those, those who would execute people, uh, they, they did a good job and they were making sure that he was dead and they put a spear through his side and, uh, and, and liquid rushed out, identifying that this guy, was, uh, Jesus, was, was really indeed dead. They took him off the, off the cross and took him into a tomb and sealed that tomb. That next day, which was the sad day, was the Sabbath. And I can imagine waking up that morning and the deep disappointment of his disciples as the one that they had chosen to follow, the one that, that held the hope of the, the future which they imagined was now dead. Like everyone else who has come before him, he was dead. Then we come to Sunday morning, like we are today, and something has happened. But his disciples didn't expect it. The, uh, the women who were going down to the tomb, they didn't expect it as well. They, they were going down to a dead body. They were going down to a body that they were preparing, and they were going to put some spices on and some incense on, as that was their custom. And first of all, we had a group of women that go down and they see that Jesus' body is, is not there. And they run back to the other disciples and say, hey, Jesus is, he, he is not there. And, and I don't think they have any idea of what has actually happened at this stage. They're, I don't think they're really thinking resurrection. They're thinking Jesus' body is not there. Someone's taken it. And Peter and, and the other guys, they go running down there and they run into the tomb and they see that Jesus isn't there as well and their mind starts ticking, what is going on? They run back to where they came from and Mary and some other ladies are, are still, um, still down there. And we pick up here in chapter 11, it says, this is um, focusing on Mary Magdalene and there were some other women with her as well, but it's focusing from her perspective. Mary was standing outside the tomb and she was crying. As she wept, she stooped and she looked in. She looked into the, tube, into the, um, into the, the grave there. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot where the place of Jesus' body was lying, where it was lying. 
One of the angels said to her, Dear woman, why are you crying? Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She then turned to leave and she saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, he said, why are you crying? I love how Jesus, he does this often, doesn't he? He asks questions that he already knows the answer to. Dear Jesus, dear, dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She thought that he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. So imagine this moment that comes next. Mary, Jesus said. He must have said this in a way that she recognized the tone and the way that he would uh, use, uh, say her name in the past. Mary, she said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabbi, which means teacher. He said to her, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to the Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene, she found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave um, them his message. That Sunday evening, the disciples, they were all meeting behind the locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. They were filled with joy, and they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. They're wonderful words, aren't they? Peace. Jesus speaks peace to us this morning. Peace be with you. Heavenly Father, as we come to remember what you did, Jesus, in rising from the dead, Lord, as your people this morning, we want to say thank you. We thank you that we, we serve the living King. And Lord, I, I pray on this morning you would, you would just repress that upon our lives, the significance and the importance that we serve a living King, a King that is broken into this existing kingdom and is starting a new revolution. Lord, we thank you for the life and the light that comes from following and knowing you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We, uh, when, we, when we look at this story, uh, what you find is that in the letters following the, um, the, those Gospels, you have the early Christians starting to discuss, and, and what does this resurrection mean? What does the, um, what does the death of Christ mean? What, what did Jesus' life mean? How do we apply this to our lives? What are the implications? And they start to explore all these prophecies that have been spoken about Jesus to come in the Old Testament, and they start applying that and exploring that and looking at its application. And in 1 Corinthians, it talks about his death and his resurrection, about being something. There's, there's many different ways in which we can look at the cross and the resurrection, but this is one particular angle. This is Paul writing, he says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, when it uses fallen asleep here, it's talking about uh, have died. 
For since death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, that's Jesus. For as Adam, for as in Adam all have died, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, and then when he comes, those who belong to him. This is the, the idea of the, um, the life of Jesus and his death and his resurrection being almost first fruits or, or a sample a taste of what's to come. Uh, it was extraordinary what happened on, on the cross. It was extraordinary what happened on that day of resurrection. It's extraordinary as, as God's kingdom begins to break in. But the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. We, we, we get a taste of this kingdom that is yet to come. Talking about sample pots, I, um, of samples and tastes, I've got one here. It's a, uh, a Dulux sample pot. Um, we, uh, Layla's our eldest daughter, she's turning 12. And we asked her what she wanted for her birthday. And she actually said to us that she, she wants her room, a makeover of her room. Uh, so that's not something you can just go out and buy. It's a, it's a bit of a process. So over the last month, uh, we've been doing up her room. It started with ripping up the carpet and putting down some, some floating floors. Did that the other week. Uh, but uh, we've, we've been looking at different things as well, looking at uh, doona cover and some pillows and some, a new lamp. And Julia and I decided that what we wanted to do, we wanted to do a feature wall as well because she, she loves horses and we were, we were thinking of some browns and, and stuff like that. Absolutely loves horses. So we, um, we, we found this brown, which, which looks, uh, looks look, we thought looked quite nice. It was kind of this... Here we go. Let's have a look, see if it's on the lid. Yeah, kind of this, this browny, orangey color, and we thought that would look nice as a feature wall. We should have known, because this is what it's called. It's called hot ginger. <laughs> well, I got home, and uh, test pots are meant to be used just sparingly, so you can get a bit of an idea. Um, but I don't do that sparingly very well. Um, so before Julia, Julia was still... Uh, in, in doing some stuff in the kitchen, and, and I started painting, and I did all the cutting in, uh, like cutting all around the windowsill, all around the side, around the top, around the bottom, skirting, and Julia comes into the room, and I see on her face, like, oh, this is not good. Um, she did not like the sample. Uh, she did not like the way it looked on the, on the wall. So we, we literally spent about half an hour kind of looking at it and getting the Dulux app. And, and we didn't do this in the first place, which we really should have, because we thought if we can only just put the Dulux app on there and, and, and do a kind of a virtual reality thing and see what it looks like, uh, it'll, be, it'll be great, I'm sure. It's just because I can see just the outskirts. Um, but we did it, and it looked terrible. Like, terrible, clashed with the floor, clashed with the furniture, um, not good. But I guess that's what test pots are about, aren't they? They're about seeing if it will work or not. Um, just don't do all the skirting. Um, don't do all the cutting in. It, it takes a long time to use the primer and get it back to normal again, especially when it's hot ginger. Um, samples. Uh, if, if I found this colour pleasing, what I would have gone if I would have gone in for the full thing. I would have said, I'm all in, I'm going down to Bunnings, and I'm buying a full pot. In a sense, there's a sense in which Jesus' life and 
his, uh, his death and resurrection was the first fruits. It was a sample. It was, a, it was an example to us of what the king of this new kingdom that is coming is like and what his ways are like. And he's calling people to, to, to have, have a sample of what he, he has for us and to say, I'm all in. That's what he's calling. He's calling for followers at this time. I was thinking about some of the people that, uh, that Jesus was with through his life and how it would have been like for them. Um, how it would have been like for them at this time when Jesus was hung there on the cross. I was thinking of the woman at the well. I was thinking about some of those paralyzed guys that Jesus healed and the lepers and the 5,000 that he healed and the guy that was demonized that he healed. What would it have been like for those guys as they saw Jesus hanging on the cross there? It's also thinking about the religious leader, Nicodemus, who came and saw Jesus at night and uh, opened his heart towards Jesus. I wonder what he was thinking. Starting to, to, to lean in, starting to, to, to really think that this may be the Messiah coming in a different way. And here Jesus is, dead, on a cross, buried in a tomb like all the others. I could imagine his joy once he found out that Jesus has, had risen from the dead. I want to take us back to that conversation for probably the, the most well-known verse in all the scripture, John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son. That's probably the, the, the best-known passage, the best-known verse in, in all the Scripture, especially um, the New Testament. And it's, it's just packed with big words. We've got, we've got, um, we've got love there. Got God, first of all, the creator of all things. We've got love. Um, we have Jesus, God's Son, Jesus. We have belief, or that word could be translated trust. We have death or perishing, and then we have life, everlasting life. Big words, big themes, really, really important verse. I just want to, to look through the lens of that verse and that conversation with Nicodemus, and we're actually going to watch that at the end um, through a, a presentation made by the, the guys who, who put together The Chosen. Um, but let's have a look at it together, first of all. So we've got, um, they shall not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. So when we look at, when we look at perishing, this is the idea of death. And uh, this is something that we see right in the very beginning pages of Scripture. We see in the very beginning pages in Genesis where it talks about death entering into the world. It's uh, basically when humans, when we were created as, as God's, um, God's people here, and we basically said to him, no, we'll do it our own way. We don't want to do it your way, we want to do it our way, and we made an absolute mess of things. We, we, we created brokenness between us and God, and us and others, and us and the creation. And what's, what's even worse than that? It's, it's even deeper than that. It, it creates a, a, a real mess of exactly the role that we had been given to do. 
of who we had been created to be. We've been created to be those who would reflect God to creation. We've been created to be um, uh, God's, God's advisories, his, his, his royal um, people, to, to rule on his behalf here on earth, to subdue and, and to, to, to take the good earth that God has given us and to, to, to multiply and to, and to bring goodness out of it. And in a sense, what we did is we said, no, God, we'll do it our way, and we started to make a mess of things. There's still goodness that we see. We see goodness right throughout the world, and yet it's marred by suffering, and it's marred by death, and it's marred by pain. And what Easter does is it changes something there. It, it, it allows us to, to move from two different kingdoms, and we'll look at that in a second. It says, I came that you, he was given so that we would, we would not perish, but have eternal life. When we think of this word, eternal life, it, uh, it kind of gives us a, a picture of what comes to mind is this, um, this everlasting, um, maybe you even have a, an idea of, of kind of this, this floating, um, this, this continuous state of, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's very hard to actually get our hands, what, what w- heads around, what would that be like? What would it be like to live everlasting? Now, when, when Jesus was telling Nicodemus about this, what he was actually talking about was, was not necessarily a state, but an age. You see, the, the Jewish people, they, they thought about different ages. They thought about two different ages. There was both the, the present age and the age to come. Um, can I have the... Are our slides working at all? Yeah. Not, not, the, not that one, just the slides. Nope. Okay, no problems at all. So, um, I think I have them here. So we've got the, um, the present age, that is the age that we're in right now. The Bible sometimes refers to this as this time or, or this age. And it's, it's really the time from creation right through to the second coming of Christ when Jesus comes again to restore all things. And this age is an age that is characterized by disobedience, by humanity saying, we'll do it our way. It's characterized by evil, by um, suffering. Suffering is known, and there's death, and the, uh, the philosophy of the age is earthly, unspiritual, and, uh, and demonic. And then there's, there's another age, and this is the promised age. It's the age to come, when, when God makes things right, when, when He restores all things. And this is, this is the time from when Jesus returns, finally, until, uh, and, and it lasts for all eternity. It's characterized as being eternal, uh, all rule, authorities and powers that oppose Jesus Christ are destroyed. We have, those who believe in Him have, have new resurrection bodies, and the new creation has reached its fullness so these are, these are the two ages. And what we have in the Easter story, what we have, what happened in Easter is we have Jesus 
coming from the age to come, in a sense, from, 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 from heaven, breaking in to the current age. And, and he breaks in with, with, um, with, in a way that is, that is very, very unexpected. A way that is captivating, but in a way that those who break, when kingdoms break in, they never normally break in this way. And what it does, what Jesus offers us, is he offers us a way to, to move from the kingdom of the, the present kingdom to the future kingdom. From, from the kingdom of death, from the kingdom of darkness, to the kingdom of life and the kingdom of light. Jesus breaks in. And uh, he breaks in. And he breaks in and he gives us a taste. He gives us a taste of what this next kingdom will actually be like. He gives us a, a, a sample, in a sense. This taste comes in the way of Jesus' teaching. Jesus' teaching, when he, was with the, when he was teaching at the different spots when he was alive, people said, we've never met anyone who teaches like this, who speaks with this type of authority. His teaching has, has rippled right through history and, and there's something unique and special and captivating about it. There's a sense in which um, much of, of Western culture, much of it has been formed on, on at least some of Jesus' teaching and his principles. And uh, it, it, is, it has done us well. And, and some of that is starting to be unraveled at this moment. So we get a taste of the kingdom, of Jesus' kingdom from his teaching. And, and some of that teaching is a bit upside-down teaching, but it's teaching that is good for us. We get a taste of what his kingdom will be like through his miracles. When he healed the paralytic and, and, he, um, and he raised those uh, raised Lazarus from the dead and he fed the 5,000, um, all those miracles are giving us a, a little taste of what Jesus' kingdom is like. It talks about this new kingdom in Revelations that there'll be no more death or mourning and Jesus is giving them a taste of that. He's giving us a taste of what God is really like, what God the Father is really like. There's a sense in which um, humanity has seen God with, with, um, uh, in a mirror. It's, it's kind of unclear. And Jesus said that if you see me, you see the Father. He gives us a taste of what God is really like until we'll see him face to face. He gives us a taste of what it is. He, he calls us and he says, come and join my kingdom. Come from the kingdom of death and come into the, the kingdom of light. Come and follow me and my way. And he gives us a taste of, of what it means to follow him. And we, we look forward to when he comes fully established as king. But we serve him in the midst of, of this kingdom, this world in which we live in, as, as, as him, as our king, even in this, in this present age. There's a taste of victory. In the cross and the resurrection, there is a, there is a decisive victory made against the principalities and the, and the, the enemies of God. And uh, the, the enemy is still at work in this world, but there is coming a day when he will do away with the enemy completely. And he gives us a taste of his presence, the seal of the Holy Spirit. It would come at Pentecost, and it's, uh, it's what he has, has given us now. It's a, a seal, it's a taste of what it is like to have God, 
to be with God and to see him, for him to be our God and we to be his people. We see God's kingdom breaking in through Jesus. God's kingdom breaks in through Jesus when he comes. These are really, these are really significant events. They're, they're incredibly significant events when, when God, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. When, when Jesus came, he bound himself to humanity. And there's something that that says. It, it says that God is not finished with the human project. This is, this is so important to God, his creation, that he bounds himself to them. And he goes to the cross for us. This is really, really significant what happens, both in Jesus' coming, in his death, and his resurrection. He breaks in and he calls us to be those who would give people a taste of what that kingdom would look like as well. Uh, we get a taste of that here, of something of what that kingdom looks like. When we love people unconditionally, it's a, it's a taste of what that kingdom looks like. When we pray for people and, and God turns up and, and heals people, it's a taste of what the kingdom will look like because there'll be no more sickness or illness in the kingdom. When we accept people who are rejected by society, it's giving people a taste of what the kingdom will look like, where there'll be people from every nation and every tribe and every people. We give people a taste. Jesus gave a taste of what the kingdom would look like. And our prayer is that uh, that, that taste would, would, would rise up in people a longing for more. More, Jesus. I was saying the other day, when I, when I see what's going on in our world at the moment, and uh, just the, the, the condition in which we are in, there's something in me that rises up and says, oh Jesus, would you come? Would you come again? We have tasted, and it is good. And we say, Jesus, we want the full thing. We want to see you face to face. We want to experience the fullness of your power. We want to experience the fullness of your presence. But Lord, would you, would you help, help us to be a salty people? and a people of light, that people may come and taste and see and say, yes, King Jesus, I want to align with you and I want to be with you into this new kingdom. I, uh, I've got a little video now that we're going to end with before I invite the, the music team up. And throughout history, there's been uh, different ways of uh, retelling, in a sense, the same message that's recorded for us in the Gospels. Uh, for me, in the late 80s, I remember being in a little back room of a church and it was on a flannel graph. And uh, you had the little Jesus there and the little donkey there. And, and that's actually how I, I came to say, uh, King Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be in your kingdom was through the presentation of the gospel, of the good news of the story of Jesus in a flannel graph. And uh, this morning, we're going to look at this little part this, where Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We're going to listen to that through the story told to us through the, the video, The Chosen. And uh, this, is, this is a feature film length uh, looking at the life of Jesus. God loves the world in this way, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
Hey, it's Dallas. I'm the creator of The Chosen, and the scene you are about to see is the scene, the most impactful and famous chapter in the Bible, John chapter 3, the conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. Now, what you're about to see will not only be the gospel captured accurately, but you'll also see the historical context, the cultural context, and the personal human context that we added that was set up by the previous six episodes. So enjoy the scene as it is, but if you want to get the full impact as to why this scene was so powerful, be sure to watch the entire season one of The Chosen. Check this out. I don't know where to start. I have so many questions. I... Shall we sit first? Oh, yes, of course. The Eastern Slums. Hmm. Many wandering preachers have succeeded in gathering crowds with their rhetoric and fiery tone. I've heard a few of them over the years myself. So you know the type. Mm -hmm. But I have never heard anyone tell a paralytic to get up and walk, much less it actually happened. So what is your conclusion? I believe you are not acting alone. No one can do these signs you do without having God in him. Only someone who has come from God. And how is that belief going over in the synagogue? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we are here at this hour. What else? Have you come here to show us? A kingdom. That is what our rulers are worried about. No, not that kind. Then what? A sort of kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again. Born again? Yes. You mean like a new creature? A conversion from Gentile to Jewish? No. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Then what is born again? <sighs> I hope you don't mean return to the womb, because that would be a problem for me. My mother, may she rest in peace, is dead. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That part of you, that, is what must be reborn to new life. How can these things be? Ah, a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things, huh? I'm trying, Rabbi. I know. I know. Do you hear this? Listen. What do you hear? The wind. How do you know it's the wind? Because I can feel it. I hear its sound. Do you know where it comes from? No. Do you know where it's going? No. That's what it is to be born again of the Spirit. The Spirit may work in a way that is a mystery to you. And while you cannot see the Spirit, you can recognize His effect. 
mind is consumed with thoughts of what a stir these words would cause among the teachers of the law. Yes, and I do not expect otherwise. I speak of what I know and have seen, and it has not been received by the religious leaders. It is hard to receive. So if I have told you of earthly things, and you do not believe, how can I tell you heavenly things? I believe your words. I just fear you may not have a chance to speak many more of them before you are silenced. I have come to do more than speak words, Nicodemus. More miracles? Yes. But even more than that. Do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes. They wanted to return to Egypt and they cursed the manna that God sent them. And then? They were bitten by serpents and they were dying. But? But God made a way for them to be healed. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin. From spiritual death. God loves the world in this way. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about Sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? Shh. When I met Lilith, Mary, that day, I told my wife and my students I she was beyond human aid. Only God could have healed her. And then I saw her healed. And here you are. The healer. I you would give up, but what you would gain 
is far greater and more lasting. Is this another one of your born-again mysteries? <laughs> uh, maybe. I know mysteries aren't easy for a scholar. Think about it. Hmm? Take your time. On the morning of the fifth day, we leave, and we'll meet by the well in the southern quarter. has come and it is broken in when Jesus came. It has been sealed when Jesus died on the cross and rose again victorious as king. And he's calling those who would come and follow him in his ways to join him in his kingdom. It's good news. Love when Jesus was talking about the wind. How do you tell? Where, where is it coming? and Where is it going? And you feel it. Now, this is a this is a crazy story about a, a God who comes in the form of man, and and shows people what His kingdom looks like, and it's extraordinary upside down kingdom teaching, which is is unlike any teaching that anyone had known before. And He comes, and He dies, and He raises again, and it starts a movement. It starts small, but it starts a movement that takes over this globe. I think there's one reason for that. It's because of that wind. It's because God is at work. And as people hear the message of the King, as people hear what He says and hear what He did, there's something that just stirs inside that says, yes. Yes, I, we, we don't quite understand it, but there's something, it's, the, it's that wind, it's the Holy Spirit, it's God himself confirming that, yes, this is the way that my kingdom has broken in. It's not the way that you would design it, that's the way I have designed it. I have broken in, and he says, come and follow me. It's a good reminder of that this morning, that Jesus is alive, and he is king. And he calls us to align ourselves with him and his kingdom. 
if you've done that already and you've already uh, taken the, that move from, from the, the, the kingdom, this existing kingdom, if you've, you've come under King Jesus, you said, Jesus, you, you are my king, and I want to follow you, and I want to follow you into this new age where you make everything right again. It's a wonderful reminder today. It's also an opportunity for those who haven't done that yet to come um, before him and say, Jesus, I, I want to follow you. You're, you. You are captivating your story is captivating to me. Uh, this video series can be found online and it would be good to do that, to, to find it and watch that, this depiction of, uh, of Jesus and this truth. Uh, also want to let you know, as we, we let you know on Friday, that there's some, some little, um, little leaflets out on the, on the desk out there. And they can be, be taken, if you would like, as just a quick summary of the story of the kingdom that God has called us into. And uh, I'd love to, love to speak to anybody as well, because uh, following Jesus, it is a, he calls a, a group of people, he calls a community to follow with him. It's not, we don't do that individually, we do it together. So if, uh, if you'd like to explore this more, if you have some questions, uh, there's, a, there's ways to get in contact with us in front of you or through the website. And uh, so let's, as we invite the team up, let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you that you loved us. We thank you that you sent Jesus. We thank you that you sent him to show us what the kingdom looks like. We thank you that you sent him to secure that kingdom. We thank you that you have invited us to follow given us an opportunity to move from this kingdom into the next, into another kingdom, a kingdom that is ruled and reigned by you, Jesus. And Lord, we find you captivating. And we find that you're the answer to the, this deep longing in our heart that cries out for something more. You're the answer to this deep longing in our heart that cries out when there's suffering, that, that for, for an antidote to that suffering. Lord, I thank you for your peace. I thank you that you speak even now, peace be with you. Father, I pray that you would continue to move amongst your people, continue to draw people to yourself. Lord, if there are, are people here that are considering your kingdom and the claims about your kingdom that you make, Lord, would you continue to move like the wind upon their hearts, that they would know that you're speaking to them. And may it be even now that they may want to just say, Lord, I, I want to step into your kingdom. I want to follow you as my king and my Lord. I thank you that it's as simple as that, as making a decision and then walking in your ways. We serve a living king. You are king of kings and Lord of lords. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.